It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Hour number two, JT right here in Las Vegas. Vegas Raider Nation Radio loving our new sponsor, Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility, and recently opened in Area 15. We thank Kenny for supporting the show. The guy goes beyond and above everything to make you right at home. If you like hitting golf balls or having a good time, beer and food and drinks, Five Iron has a little bit for everyone. They have eight TrackMan golf simulators with cameras in every bay. It helped fix my swing. I went there for an hour. I looked at my swing at every angle, and I shot a lower score. It was actually really fascinating to watch it back. They have a full bar, shuffleboard, brand-new top-of-the-line club, so you don't use garbage equipment. You use the best of the best. You can get club-fitted. You can take lessons, and they have night leagues on Monday and Tuesday. The beauty of 5-Iron is that it's for everyone. Go to 5-Iron Golf inside Area 15. Tell them JT sent you. They have leagues that you can get $100 off if you mention my name, and you can get me Simulator for $65 off. Kurt Heelan will join us here in 20 minutes. He's the lead writer for NBC Sports Basketball on Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. To me, it's the biggest story in sports by far. Draymond Green is burning down the Warriors and throwing the owner, not ownership, but the GM Bob Myers and the coach Steve Kerr under the bus for an argument that he had with Kevin Durant. And the guys should have been able to settle on their own, but they're blaming their coach and GM for this. It is viral. Everyone in sports is talking about it. We'll get to that in about 20 minutes, but it's good to catch up with my friend, longtime friend. Started here when I did a radio show for Sports Fan Radio Network in 95, 96. And so was Sean Salisbury who's now a great sports talk host in Houston, the former NFL quarterback, USC quarterback, kind enough to join us. Sean, thanks for doing this. Good to talk to you again. How are you, buddy? My man, I'm doing great. Always an honor to be on with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'd love to sit back and have a beverage with you in your beautiful estate and talk about Rusty Harden and Busby and rumors of the FBI and what you're hearing on the ground with Deshaun Watson because I watch Dateline NBC, I watch Mysteries, I watch Crime dramas we can't get anything out of rusty harden and i saw rusty harden clean up roger clemens and all these other sports clients what's going on down there yeah and jt it's uh, I, we feel pretty similar as far as in our approach to trying to figure out what the heck's going on he had a press conference today obviously with the with the the, the women in this case um tony busby who's another high profile attorney in this town they both have a different approach busby is a Put it out there mm-hmm. and get the you know the, the the public hearing what's going on and Rusty to sit back and then try to you know make sure that you're if you're going to talk about my client I got to hold a press conference now both high powered and both good at their jobs but where we stand right now and and as far as how in depth the FBI when the FBI knocks on your door it's not a good thing mm-hmm. if you're the person that they're knocking on the door against but. You know, the criminal charges still have not been filed. There has been criminal complaints. The question is, where does it go? And then if it gets to that point, will it ever end up in court? Or will the high-powered attorney, Rusty Harden, say, you know, we don't 
this isn't going to court, or will they? How innocent is Deshaun? They, we, every single question that you're talking about, JT, we ask. We there is no extra insight on it. He's obviously has not been out at practice the last you know three or four days. He's there, but he's doing his stuff away from the team. He's not going to get a snap in the preseason, even though there's no limits on him now. And unless there's felony charges, I don't imagine the, the commissioner is going to jump in now. If the FBI jumps in and all of a sudden there's charges filed, then, then it's a, a different ball game. But right now, he's not going to play another down here in Houston, JT. He's just yeah. not. That's the football side. Eventually, somebody's going to he, – he, and he's a hell of a football player. They're going to get what they want, whether it's three ones and two twos. It's not happening because people are going to wait back now. But they don't have to do anything. They know they're not going to play him. They went out and got Tyrod Taylor and a couple others, as you know, and, and they're just going to wait this thing out until somebody makes them an offer they can't refuse uh, or until the legal stuff or both, whenever that comes down. But the illegal being above my pay grade with mm-hmm. Rusty is close to the vest. Tony Busby has 22 to 24 women that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that he's representing. But as far as where it goes from here or where it's at and how deep the FBI is going to get into this if they are, uh, those questions are still being asked here in Houston, and uh, they've got to move on as if Deshaun's not playing here. The key is, is it just football stuff now, or is the legal part of it and, uh, and where the FBI gets involved? Then we're talking about something far more serious that's above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. And I have zero idea any more than, than Rusty Harden's telling us right now. Sean Salisbury is our guest. You know, Sean, Rusty Harden, again, for 25 years in radio, his name's yep. come up a lot in sports, so I've seen what he can do. But I always side with the women initially until it goes to court and a district attorney, until there's an outcome when a woman says she is violated. I've always listened to the woman first, unfortunately, and fortunately the man has to clear their name. And we'll see how this plays out. So that's going to happen down the road from a football yeah, perspective. Hey, hey, yeah. real quick, can I say one thing? Sure. About you? I, I am 100% on your side. We are at a time, and it shouldn't be just we are at a time. It should always be this way. Both sides deserve to be heard. Mm-hmm. We see both where somebody accuses and the person who they're accusing is not guilty. And then the other side where if they're a celebrity or something, maybe they get they, they get extra, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to say a hall pass, but People are a little more. Oh, that's our quarterback. You can't. You can't do anything to him. You know, they're, they're, you get both, and it's not right. And the women, I'm with you 100. percent They deserve to be heard. It's it should be taken serious. You've got to look into the allegations. That's why this can't be a rush, and it hasn't been. But it can't be a rush job. These people, the scars, if it happened, will exist for a long time. And Deshaun's going to have to deal with it. And if it if it isn't true then obviously you've got to take into account and say, wait a minute now, falsely accused. All those things that attorneys handle that you and I don't, but that you hear from different angles. But you're darn right. When somebody in this many uh, uh, make a point to let to, to come in and file or complaints against Deshaun Watson's civil, and if it becomes criminal, then it's obviously more serious. But when they're complaining, they, they deserve to be heard, mm-hmm. as does Deshaun Watson, and that's why this cannot be a rush job. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, not at all. That's a great comment by you. Sean Salisbury joins us. So that's my follow-up here because I'm not assuming anything, but as a sports yep. talk host who covers the NFL, if, and it's a big if, if he clears his name and comes back, whatever it is, I think he's a top three guy, not top five guy. I'm all in on him as a player. I think he's a better thrower than Lamar Jackson. I think he's a little bit behind him as a runner, but just as good. He's got all these Mahomes tendencies, and Aaron Rodgers and Brady are aging out on the back end of their prime. 
So some team do you think is going to take and roll the dice if they're sensing through Rusty Harden that there'll be a settlement, it won't be a year's suspension, and that team, instead of three ones, are going to give a one and a couple of players and then have this unique quarterback, if it goes that way, for 10 years and get a super deal out of it? Yeah, we're on the same page. This is a I got him as a top three asset in the league, too. Mm-hmm. There's Mahomes, him, and maybe Josh Allen at this point. When you talk about assets, if you like Russ Wilson or if you – Two years from now, maybe Kyler Murray, maybe it is Lamar Jackson. I'm with you. He he is a as a football player. He is a franchise changer. He just is. Now, here's what I can guarantee you: they're not going to do JT. They are not going to sit back. I don't care how desperate they get the Texans football wise. Ain't nobody on the planet going to call and offer a one that they're going to listen to. Right now, I'm not sure, even considering the circumstances, if so, let's say uh, somebody at one of the Philadelphia or the Colts or, or the Vikings had somebody hurt, God forbid, and they call up and say, we'll give you, and they're desperate because it happens two weeks into training camp, and they believe they're going to be a pretty good team, and they want to build for the future, and a coach is trying to save his job, and they call up and say, we'll give you two ones and two twos today. I don't believe they'd take it, meaning the Texans. I think they're going to say, Okay, if you don't want to do it now, somebody desperate as the season rolls along before the trade deadline or next off season, one of these teams, instead of going and drafting a guy, Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell, is going to say, you know what, instead of a big bidding war, let me give them three number ones now before the trade deadline and whatever else they want so I'm not bidding against five teams. Because I believe the longer you wait and eventually he gets cleared, whatever that is, to play, whenever that is, that a team says, okay, even if he's not playing this year, we get him for a decade. He's one of the best assets in the league. There's not a guy in the draft better. And are the three guys that we give up for him going to help our team more than what everybody has to have now is that guy, not a guy, but that guy playing quarterback. And I think they would get the value they want for him because teams realize how good he is. So whenever this is cleared or they 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 kind of have a hunch that, okay, that, that he's not no criminal charges, or if it's just civil and they say, we can live with this if there's a suspension, they're going to get a lot for him. And if I was Nick Casario, I would, the GM, I, I wouldn't uh, give him up for anything less either because at some point in time, somebody's going to crave this guy in his mid-20s, and he will play football again. It's not a matter of if, it's when. The question is when. But I wouldn't imagine that you would give up, that you would trade him for anything less than three ones. And right now they realize they're not a great football team. They're not just going to give him away, even if somebody else is desperate, unless their desperation gets to three ones and other draft picks. Sean Salisbury, as we wrap it up. So I can go around the league with you. You're great at that. But I love when we talk sports radio and about life. So when it comes to COVID, you saw what happened here in Vegas. Now, Mark Davis with the mandate, you need a vaccination to get in. Unless you're under 12, we saw the Bensons do that in New Orleans. And I'm losing the battle. I'm getting beat up. I mean, if you, if you try to have a leadership role, like I like to use on the radio and say, get vaccinated. If we're in a massive pandemic. It's the only way we're going to crush the virus, as Coach Gruden would say or others say. You know, you got to deal with the anti-vaxxers. You got to deal with the conspiracy theorists. You got to deal with some people that have strong opinions. But it's a losing battle in my position and your position to engage. This is going on two years of now COVID. How are you handling this on the radio in Texas where people have different political views than they have in Alaska or California, New York? How do you get through this journey every day? Right, and with Governor Abbott, you know, the battle, our governor here about kids in school and masks, 
which starts young, and then we're talking about sports and how many are, uh, colleges, all these things. It's a major topic, and I locally, you know, it's such a and when I say it's, it's exhausting. I know. I, I mean, the health is the most important. You and I are 100 percent on the same page. Whatever's right. I'm people who are, you know, who are anti-vaxxers just to be an anti-vaxxer because you may think different politically. I, I've never understood that. Mm-hmm. This is about health. And if you can't get the vaccination because of health or religious reasons, I understand you, you deserve that choice, that right. And if you don't want to be vaxxed and you can and to go to a game and they say you're not coming in, well, then you're going to have to watch it on TV. That's the reality of it. So, And if you can get vaxxed and you want safety and you want to end this thing so we can get back to a better new normal, then then, then that's what you need to do, too. So, I, I, And you're right. You can't win because if you say, well, go get vaxxed, everybody says, well, that's all right. And I agree you should have the right to choose, but so should somebody who runs a business and they want to do it. They don't want you there. They want to keep people safe. Now, the question is that at the Raiders' place, are they going to have somebody that's professional? Are they just going to flash a card and walk in? Or are the people that are at the ushers taking it, are they going to study it and get people in and really make sure they toe the line on understanding the vaccination? Or are people going to kind of fake it and flash something walking? I'm anxious, honestly, JT, to see how it works. But I like people having a choice to make. But I also say, well, what's the wise choice to keep you and everybody safe and to get back to what most people want? A, 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 a you know a healthy good society where it's not so divisive. I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine it being any more divisive because it's crazy right now yeah. how people have turned it political. I'm not saying it's a political virus, but people have made it. Well, you're Republican or Democrat. So how we're handling it in Texas, I do everything I can. When sports like the Raiders, we talk about it. But when it comes to schools and all that on a sports show, I'm trying to give people a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And when they need it, they want to talk sports. But, yeah, when it comes to the Raiders or colleges that are doing it, it's part of sports because it's either going to keep us away from it or going to get high school sports and NFL and college sports going. So I get why the Davis family and they're doing it. And I get why some would say, well, then I don't want to go to the game. And guess what? You, just, you, you reserve that right. If you don't want to go to the game because you're not vaxxed, there's a TV in a bar or a TV at home somewhere else. So the choice is theirs. But I understand why sports teams are doing it so we can get back to normal. And they're protecting their product and, their, and the people they work with. I do understand it 100%. Last one quick. What's it like when you're working with a young high school quarterback who's spinning it? You're able to correct their footwork, their shoulder angle, and watch a young kid get better and help with that process, getting him to play on Saturday, D1. It's the great. It's, it's and maybe the being a dad's number one. But of all the you know careers that we get to do, and we're fortunate to have this career, it's probably the greatest satisfaction for me, JT, is a, in a career because whether you're a tenth grader who's not getting recruited, but you're battling for the starting job, and on Friday you finally win it, and that was your dream. I care as much about that as I do about the five star that I trained. It's the number one 2024 kid in America. I just love to see the light switch going. I love to see improvement, and I love to see their dreams come true. They're doing the work. I'm just trying to assist them and lead them along the way. But it's some of the greatest satisfaction I get, and I can't be more proud. My Friday nights are awesome because I get about 50 texts from kids playing high school football, so I love it. That is living the dream. Good to talk to you. We'll catch up with you in the regular season. Always appreciate your time. Love you, brother. Be safe out there, man. Love you, too. There he is, Sean Salisbury. Fabulous. A guy whose career... I don't think it's peaked yet. He was at ESPN. He had a bump in the road. He came back. He found a niche in Houston on sports radio with the biggest show. And he's an unbelievable guest. He's an unbelievable analyst. And he's working with young kids to try to help them become better quarterbacks. Always 
Always love having him on. Any platform that I'm on because he has great things to say about it. And we're both in the same world as Sports Talk Radio hosts, and we know this is the most divisive time. Very important point I'm about to make. This is the most divisive time in the history of sports talk. I had a conversation earlier today with my buddy Damon Bruce. His wife's about to have their second kid. And we've been together, you know, I've known Damon 20 years. We're talking about our lives and our kids. He knows my kids are going off to college as his second kid isn't born yet. It's about to be born any day. And he's like, oh, my God, I saw the pictures of your wife taking the kids to college. And I'm like, how great is it you're having your second son like I have two sons? And we had this great conversation. And then we started talking about the business. And we both love our jobs. And we love our careers. And we've been lucky. But he said to me, man, we got in at the right time. And he goes, we at least rode a portion of the wave. I I came in at the perfect time in the mid-90s coming off a big wave of radio hosts, Mike and the Mad Dog, Jim Rome, where I got my start, other guys. And now I look at the young guys getting into the business now, and they're getting into the business now with consolidation, less money during COVID, with social media where everybody is triggered all day long. You can't even put up a tweet and say anything nice or aggressive or whatever without people just slaughtering you, coming right back at you. And now that's part of our industry. How do you deal with every day trying to give opinions on social media on top of doing radio? And I got to do five hours a day solo. And you you look at Twitter and you sit there and you just look at your head and go, oh, it's a massive headache. But we're lucky to talk sports. But my point is we haven't talked sports going on 18 months because we got to deal with this COVID. And COVID has affected sports talk radio, the NFL, the NBA bubble, the Olympics with no fans. Right, vaccinations now mandatory potentially going into games. It's incredible, but there's nowhere else I'd rather be doing it than right now because I feel like I'm at my best to cover this story, which is showing up every day or most days and know that other than talking X's and O's and scores and box scores, there's this big overriding topic about keeping players and fans safe so we don't get shut down. And it's critical for Vegas more so than other cities because we have, we're at more risk in Vegas because of the amount of people that come here with no responsibility and are anonymous. They come here. We don't know if they're vaccinated. They drive in and they get out of here. And it's tough and it's going to affect sports. Alex, thanks for holding in Rhode Island. Thanks for waiting. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? Thank you. Um, Making my way down third week of the season against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to the new stadium. Vaccinated, no problem. So uh, I'm really, uh, I'm really psyched. Uh, you know, been to the old Coliseum, been to the uh, the LA Coliseum actually, and also the Oakland Coliseum. So uh, really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to the injuries that you were talking about earlier, listen, you know, can't put these guys in bubble wrap. Yeah. Um, you can't uh, have him practice in shorts. Uh, it's tackle football. You got to play, and I really think they're doing a disservice. And I think you're getting more injuries because these guys don't play in the preseason. You're right. You nailed it. You go back ten, twenty, fifteen years ago, they would play a quarter. They would play, and I think most games they would. When I'm go back in the day when it was six preseason games, they would play a half. They would play three quarters and start. Mm, you're right. And now it's they don't play, and you you actually see it by the quality of football within the first couple of weeks in the season. I think they're really doing a disservice. And I get it; they don't want guys hurt, but 
Anyway, I want just want to get get back to the Raiders this year. I mean, it's obviously obviously that we're gonna go as far as our defense takes them. If we just play average defense this year, we're gonna be a playoff team. There's no question in my mind. Yeah, I would agree. I think if they make the play, if they if they play good defense, not great defense, or a playoff team, no doubt about it. Got to see them. Got to see them do it first. You got to hope they're healthy, and you need Nicholas Morrow, who got banged up today, but no reports on the status. But I think the defense is vastly improved. But will they make plays on third down and get off the field and give the ball to Derek Carr so he can be explosive? And will Carr even have a better year than he's had in the past? A lot of ifs I just said there. Hopefully, this will all happen. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's. I had it last night. With my buddy in town, it was great. Best pizza I ever had. Kurt Heelan next on the NBA. It was a basketball decision, but I knocked down the, like, not giving a ladder with that too you know what i'm saying it kind of knocked down two birds with one stone with that but it was mainly i felt like i was the absolute perfect fit with what you guys were doing i thought that was just a no-brainer i would do that a million times kevin durant and what was said with draymond green via bleacher report i find it amazing as we talk about the drama with the warriors durant is gone draymond's still there I bring in Kurt Heelan, who joins us at Basketball Talk. And, Kurt, it's clearly the greatest NBA sound that I have played, and I'm dead serious in 25 years. What was the root of this for Draymond? Is it because he's a member of the media now that he would go this far over the edge and continue to criticize Kerr and Bob Myers? I think he's kind of fearless that way, kind of like, well, what are you going to do? You can't get rid of me. (laughs) There's a certain level of that, right? Like, there's just a belief that, look, they need him to win. He just picked up a gold medal. Um, there was a sense of, of yeah, I mean, obviously he's trying to set up a career, not in a, a, a career after, after he's done playing. I don't think in traditional media, not, you know, he's not coming on your station. He's, he's not working for me at NBC, but he's setting up a, a cha- a, a, options through media, you know, social media and, and other companies and stuff. So, I think that's part of it, and I just think he, there's a certain, like, hey, man, Katie and I are just going to talk and be real and and say what we believe happened, even if it's probably more complex than that. He's very ungrateful. That's what gets me. He's so ungrateful because the Warriors helped him win three championships. Of course, he was part of the chemistry with Steph and Clay and Durant and the rest of that team, but... Isn't this typically something you would say after you retired from the game or left? I mean, I'm giving Durant a little bit of a free pass because he left and everybody knew why he left and now he's a member of Brooklyn. But for Draymond to do it as he's still drawing checks from Joe Lacob, I find this astounding. Yeah, and, and by the way, he's got to be, you know, I mean, it, the offseason's just started, but mid-September he's going to have to be in training camp with Steve Kerr, who he absolutely threw under the bus in this thing. Um it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit awkward, but I don't think, I think, I don't know. Draymond's comfortable being a little bit awkward in, a, in an uncomfortable situation more than other people. So I think he's, I, like I said, I just don't think this is going to bother him as he heads into camp more than it's going to bother other people. 
Kurt Heelan is our guest. So stay with me here for a moment. I want our listeners to hear this soundbite again. This is Draymond Green and what he said on Bleacher Report. For my own personal sanity, because I've been getting kicked ever since you left. So just for my own personal sanity, how much did our argument against the Clippers drive you to ultimately lead the Warriors? It wasn't the argument. It was the the way that everybody, Steve Kerr, act like it didn't happen. Bob Myers and tried to just discipline you and think that that would put the mask over everything. I really felt like that was such a big situation for us as a group. The first time we went through something like that, we had to get that all out. I remember watching the last dance and when Scotty didn't go into the game, the whole team in the locker room said, Scotty, that was up that you did that. We needed that. We just needed to throw all of that out on the table and say, yo, Dre, okay, like that was up that we even had to go through that. Let's just wipe our hands with that and go, go finish the task. I don't think we did that and we tried to dance around it. I just didn't like how all of that, just the vibe between all of that, it just made weird to me. And I'd rather us be who we say we are, family first, communication is key. Like, I, we didn't show that, and I've, that's what rubbed me the wrong way more than anything. Courtesy of Bleacher Report. So have you ever heard anything like this? You covered this story back in the day, yeah. and now that you hear it again, what does it make you feel about Draymond's future within the Warriors and how the Warriors are going to treat him in years to come? I, I don't know. Again, in the short term, I don't think it changes much. A, he's under contract, and B, they need to replace him to win. I mean, what are they going to do? Get Ben Simmons to fill that role? It's it's not quite the same. So, I, I don't. Yeah, in the short term, I don't think it changes anything. I, by the way, it, sent, it strikes me as them looking for a peg to hang this on, right, or something else. Because mm-hmm. like, I don't think look, there is enough blame to go around in that situation, and KD and Draymond have to take a chunk of it. I mean, remember. KD comes out of that argument on the sidelines against the Clippers back in November of was it 2019, 2018, 2019. Comes out of that argument and says, as you could see him mouth it as he's walking back onto the court for the overtime, this is why I'm out, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the talk of him being out, the talk of him being frustrated had existed before this fight. This gives them a peg. Now, I, I will say this, by the way, I think there's some validity to the idea that Steve Kerr and Bob Myers and whoever else in Lacombe and whoever else in ownership kind of stepped up and just said, all right, we've got to be the adults in this situation and walked into a room where this wasn't a young team. This isn't some high school team. Like you could have set up a situation for the adults to, you know, put the adults in a room and figure it out. And instead they kind of stepped in like parents and that probably didn't play well, but it was, way beyond that. I mean, the concerns about whether Durant would or wouldn't be back had already existed, and, and Draymond, you know, kind of threw him out in front, and KD, like I said, there was plenty of talk about him already having half one foot out the door, so I don't think it... I don't know if it changes anything mm-hmm. back then, and I don't know if it changes anything now, but I think it does... Like you said, it'd be interesting to see how things progress down the line. Like, Curry will be a warrior for life, but Draymond? Yeah, I don't know now. Yeah, Kurt Heelan is our guest. What I find interesting is, as you covered Shaq and Kobe, and that dynasty died. They didn't get along. They were trying to put it back together. Kobe died. Shaq had so much remorse, and we saw how that played out. We saw what happened with Michael Jordan and Jerry Krause, how 
ugly that got, especially at Jordan's Hall of Fame speech where he was so petty that he talked about Krause and just destroyed him. And now I look at this, and this really bothers me because I think Draymond was a very good player, and he still is, but he owes the Warriors. If Draymond played for Charlotte or the Knicks or Portland, we wouldn't be talking about him with one ring, let alone part of a dynasty. Do you believe, now hearing this again, that Draymond and Durant – ended this dynasty, or should there be some blame on the organization for not putting it back together? I don't know that they could have saved Durant. Um, I, I don't know that he was going to return regardless. And I don't know, by the way, I don't know that they've won a championship, even if he comes back, because you've got to think about it. The way that ended, I don't think that changes. Like The, the injuries they suffered in the 2019 finals against Toronto. So... Durant and Clay Thompson and everything, and then uh, you know, and then Steph kind of flukily misses the whole next season with the you know not whole season, but a lot of it with the fractured hand. That kind of stuff happened anyway. They were worn down physically anyway from five straight trips to the finals, uh, and Durant three straight. Like the injuries kind of piled up anyway, so they don't win for a year. They don't. Then this year they wouldn't have had Clay back, so I don't even know if they won another ring with him. But I think your point about Draymond is spot on. He is a perfect fit for what they need. He allow a his secondary playmaking, and they miss his. He's got to get his three point shooting back. Really, if they're going to contend, they need his ability to space the floor a little bit. Um, but his playmaking is, you know, hey, I set the pick for Curry. You guys trap Curry. He can get me the ball. I'm rolling to the free throw line. I'm at that nail, and he's making shots. He's hitting passes. His secondary playmaking is great. But more importantly. His ability to defend the five, let them be an effective small ball team, let them thrive that way. If you put him on another team, even if he has those same skills, they don't help as much, right? Like mm-hmm. it took, he, was, he was the glue, and he was a critically important player for them. But like you said, you put him on Charlotte, and that skill's just wasted. Absolutely. Kurt Heelan as we wrap it up. So how do you think, Steve, this was all handled, right? Even though Draymond released yeah. this and this is new content, Bob Myers and Kerr, they've talked this out here because, I don't know, if I was the owner, I would trade him. You can't cut him. If this was the NFL, I'd cut Draymond. I'd say, we're out, go play somewhere else, whatever. They can't eat a contract like this. But uh, do you give it 10%? or 20% or 50% that they'd consider trading them? Because other insiders have said that in the last 24 hours, that this could really rub the fan base the wrong way, and obviously ownership compared to management. It makes it a little bit interesting. Um, I, I, I mean, I think ultimately they'll, they'll just try to pretend it didn't happen for now, okay. but I think it makes – I'll tell you what it makes interesting. Ultimately, if you're talking about trading Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons – best use as long as he can't shoot and I don't know that he'll ever develop a jumper is Draymond light is a, is a version of Draymond, right? He's a great on ball defender. He is a, he is fantastic in transition. He is a good passer in the mm-hmm. half court, but he can't initiate. Why not use him like a Draymond? What set the pick roll, get the ball at the free throw line to distribute. You push the ball in transition, which Draymond does like he, they, they have an overlapping skill set. I mean, if you want Draymond out, I tell you what, Philly'd suddenly be interested. A win now Philly team is going to look at Draymond with Embiid and think, yeah, yeah that might work. 
I'll tell you, I would take Ben Simmons all day long. I'd fix him. I'd get him the right coach. It. I'd work on his free throw. He's a super athlete. He's so young. I would do that, and Draymond's past his prime anyway on the back end. I'd do that deal in a minute if I was the Warriors, and we'll see how this plays out. Good seeing you again. Go ahead. Yeah, I can say real quick, you nailed it, though. The question is, can you get Ben Simmons to maximize that talent, to work out with other people to do some stuff that he needs to do? That's the key. Great seeing you at Summer League. Talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for making time. You got it. Kurt Heelan. I think it's a really big deal, a massive story, this story about how ungrateful an athlete is to an organization that helped them win three championships and potentially could put Draymond Green in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Draymond Green could potentially be a Hall of Famer for what he accomplished with the Warriors. Three rings is pretty much good to get in the Hall of Fame. The NBA Hall of Fame, is not uh, it's not as difficult as baseball or football. It's the easiest of the Hall of Fames to get into, no doubt. And Draymond's on pace to do that. I talked to Warrior fans last night on this topic. Chris from West Oakland, some of our other ones, they skewered him. They annihilated Draymond. They want him out. And we got a lot of Raider fans who are Warrior fans. I'd like to know what you think about Draymond and if he crossed the line or not. Raider Z in Sacramento. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Nice show. Love your show. Thanks. Uh, just to touch on, I'd rather touch on football, the, the mm-hmm. fight and stuff. But I thought you had mentioned on, uh, on that, you know, with the sports radio changing over the years, like you said. I mean, you, you know, people like the guy you talked about and then the other guy that used mm-hmm. to do the Raiders broadcasting, you know, when they inject serious political things into a daily sports show, they lose their, you know, people mm-hmm. don't want to watch them or listen anymore. Yep. So that's all that is. I mean, but anyway, the, the, the Raiders getting in a fight, I think it's great. Because in my, without hearing everything, the Rams probably was whooping them two years ago, and they probably thought they were going to put a can of whooping on them today or the last couple of days, and the Raiders ain't taking it. And, and Gruden's just playing the part out there with the media. You know he likes it. Al Davis is clapping in his grave right now. So, I mean, I think it's good. It's good for the Raiders. Nobody to get hurt, obviously, but it's, it's a good thing to show we're tired. We want to be the old Raiders again. Yep. Nobody likes it. Yeah, I think that's, that's good. Appreciate it, it. Thank you. As long as no one gets hurt, no one gets hurt and everything, it's okay. No one breaks a hand, which you normally don't get injured in a fight. You could hurt your hand or something, but you have injuries and practices like that where you're going balls out at 100%. So we don't have an update on Richie Incognito. We don't have an update yet. And I'm talking about an update from the Raiders, not some guy who covers the team who's trying to play doctor or trainer. Because a lot of guys try to do that, and that's not what we're looking for here. We're looking for the Raiders to put out the status of Richie Incognito and exactly what happened to a really good linebacker, Nicholas Morrow. Better player than I thought initially. I've said that all the time, and I'll continue to say it. Hey, quick reminder, we will be Saturday night at the M Resort Casino and Spa, the official team hotel of the Raiders. That's where we're going to host every pregame show and postgame show when the Raiders are on the road. And we're about to announce where we're going to anchor the pregame show in the stadium on game day, where if you come in, you can hear the pregame show in a spot where you'll have plenty of room And check out our A-list guests and all the insiders that we're going to talk to. It's going to be a lot of fun. Exciting times to be on Raider Nation Radio. Vinny Bonson, you're next.
Yeah, nothing major. It was just um, frustrating because, you know, I always want to be out there working, and it's like, you know, within the last couple of years, like 2019, I don't think I missed a practice. In 2020, I missed like a couple during the season, so it's like, you know, I want to be out there, but it's at the same time, it's like maybe sometimes I do need to sit still for a little bit because it's a long season and just preparing for that. Darren Waller feels fine. He's back. He's practicing in Los Angeles. JT, welcome back to the show. We appreciate Everyone listening, as we are busy, when we talk X's and O's, we talk Remy Martin. Team up for excellence with a Remy Martin cocktail. Get that Remy Martin sidecar and you'll thank me. You can pick that up at the Remy, at the Remy Bar at the pre- and post-game show starting at the M. Last night on my national show, Vinny Bonsignor, Raider Insider and our teammate on Raider Nation Radio, joined me and I asked him about these practices ahead of the preseason games. Yeah, no doubt about it. And thanks for having me, JT. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. Uh, what you get is all the fighting aside um, and skirmishes aside. What you get is a controlled atmosphere that Sean McVay and John Gruden uh, can really script things. So you're going to get 20 reps, 30 reps in red zone, in four, in uh, you know four-minute drill, in two-minute drill, uh, special teams, all of that with your starters versus starters uh, and getting meaningful reps in conditions and situations that you as a coach want to see your team in. When you go to a preseason game and if John Gruden says, hey, you know, I want to, I want to play Derek Carr or let's say Marcus Mariota for the first quarter. Well, that first quarter might amount to six offensive plays if it's two, three and outs and the Rams put together two 10-play drives and eat up all, all the clock. So your plan's go awry because you're beholden to the situation and the rhythm of the game. Whereas in these uh, practices, it's all scripted out and you're, you, you're, you enable yourself to create all the various situations that you want to see your players in. And on top of that, uh, it's extremely competitive. Guys are truly getting after each other. There's trash talk. Uh, I heard everything uh, under the sun. Players coming over to one sideline or the other and getting an earful. Uh, it was a lot of fun, very competitive, uh, and very uh, meaningful as well. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. So what's interesting around the league when they have these dual scrimmages for a couple of days, how do they know the coaches as they meet and they really talk amongst themselves, maybe a conference call and then they meet when the road team comes to that city? How do they know when to back off if it's getting too physical or getting too chippy because you don't want to practice to get away from itself because guys are pulling each other's face masks off and there's a lot of bad blood. How do you control that? Well, it would be John Gruden saying, blow the bleeping horn, you know, to stop a, uh, to stop a period and let guys kind of cool off a little bit. Um, but you're right. The coaches definitely confer. Uh, there was a couple of instances where Sean McVay ran over to the Raiders defensive sideline to tell Gus Bradley, hey, look, I'm going to do five more plays out of 12 personnel, this is kind of what I'm trying to uh, get a look at. And Gus Bradley would adjust his defense uh, accordingly and, and vice versa. So there's a lot of, you know, workmanship going on uh, and, and communication going on. But there's going to be skirmishes. There's going to be, you know, uh, uh, little fights here and there. And as Derek Carr pointed out, you know, you got to understand that those players that are on special teams, many of them are literally fighting for a job. <laughs> so, it's gonna. You're 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 trying to put your best foot forward. It gets emotional. It gets testy. It gets very physical, especially in those punt returns, punt coverage, kickoff return, kickoff coverage. Uh, it kind of breeds itself to, to type some of the shenanigans that we saw. But uh, it wasn't all that bad. And you know what what Carr kind of pointed out to is you know when it's a veteran player and veteran players, 
you get it out, you move on to the next play. It's when you have some young players or some inexperienced players where it bleeds over to the next play and then the next play after that and then the next play after that where all of a sudden you're having to pay attention to that, cut that off, knock it off, you know, and it's taking away time uh, that you that could be better served. So I didn't see too much of that. There were a couple of times, uh, especially in that special teams period, uh, but for the most part it was fairly under control. Vinny Bonsignor, one more, Vinny. You're real sharp when it comes to media and the media rights deals, and you've been talking about relocation and teams and the fees they have to pay. So if these practices for all these teams around the league are so good and beneficial and they lead to a bad preseason game where none of the starters are going to play because the practices were so good, what do you think the NFL is going to do with their partners down the road, Amazon, Facebook, NFL Network, to stream these practices and make revenue out of it. So the local owners like Jerry Jones, Bob Kraft, who found a way to raise more local dollars with their local rights can make more money this way because I think the fans would love this content. I do too. Um, you know, and, and normally, you know, in a, in a regular situation, maybe they've been in Irvine where the Raider or the Rams have their uh, uh, training camp, but they cut it short uh, to come back home. So they were in Thousand Oaks and there weren't. Uh, able to be fans out there because you would love to see fans out there as well. I know there there were Ram fans uh, when the Rams went and practiced against the Cowboys uh, a couple of weeks ago or last week. So you're going to be able to create those uh, situations when I think that things get, especially when things get back to normal and more of this happens where you can open it up to the public. Fans can come and you can, you know, you can uh, stream it. Now, here's the thing uh, where I think the coaches will say, no, 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 no. We're not doing that because, uh, there's basically an agreement between coaches in these type of situations where cut off the video. You're not sending this to anybody. I'm not sending this to anybody. Mm-hmm. They're really running some important stuff, way more than you'll see in a preseason game. They're running their stuff in these practices. The Rams aren't going to play the uh, the Raiders unless they visit in the Super Bowl. That's months and months away. Um, so you're you're able to really uh, to whatever however deep you are in your playbook you're able to throw it all out there. And you want to do that, uh, getting looks against another team, another front, another defense, another offense, you know, vice versa. You can't do that in a preseason game because that's for the whole world to see. And they're going to – every scout, every coach from another team that you're going to be playing is going to be scouring over that tape. And, you know, I I know it seems small at this point, but these guys are extremely competitive and every game counts, especially those early games where – you know, there's not a lot on you. No, none of these coaches want to put anything out there than than they than they have to. Basically, that's why even for us, you know, we had a certain period of time where we can film and video, and then it was strictly off limits because they were getting after it and really digging pretty deep into their playbook. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. So, Vinny, you were the first to talk to Mark Davis after the vaccination mandate at Allegiant Stadium, and what it will be in the rules and the refunds that are out there. And we found out from Saints Vice President of Communication, Greg Benson, that the Saints won't refund ticket holders that refuse COVID-19 vaccines or a negative 72-hour PCR test. So we saw what Mark Davis did. It's different, clearly, especially with the refund policy than the Saints. What I'm asking you is with your sources around the league, what does Goodell think of this and what are other teams going to do now, now that two teams have put this policy in place? Yeah, and that's interesting because it's it's a stark difference. 
um, right? You know, one team is saying, hey, you know, we'll work with you um, to the extent that, you know, that, that there's some season ticket holders, even for the Raiders, who have already sold some of their tickets throughout the course of the season. They're out of luck uh, at this point, you know. So, uh, um, you know, they can't go get their refund because there's games missing from their allotment, from their ticket allotment. Um, but short of that, I, you know, I, I've checked around to see if there could be maybe some kind of a universal uh, approach to this, but as of right now, um, it's not, and I'm not quite sure that there that there will be, um, because every state is different, every city is different. So how how certain states are handling things and the numbers of certain states in terms of COVID-19 might not be the same universally. So there are teams and stadiums out there that say we're not even going to ask for masks, let alone vaccinations. So. Uh, to come up with a universal plan in that regard is 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 kind of you know I, I don't know how you go about doing that now for the from the state's perspective I you know that's that's a, that's a tough one you know you're you're basically saying you're out of luck if you don't get the vaccination um, I, I I don't know uh, if that's where that leads I mean does that open them up to any kind of lawsuits or anything like that It'll be interesting to see if some fans don't get together and saying hey you're forcing me to do something. I don't want to do. And now you're also taking my money and keeping it. I'd rather, I don't want to get the vaccination. We can, you know, the, for whatever reason, and can't, you know, point fingers or whatever, or blame anybody for whatever decision they make. I have my own decision that I made and I'm good with it. But for somebody who's not, you know, um, I don't think, I don't necessarily think it's, it's, it's fair to take their money away from them. You know, if, if they don't want to go, if they don't want to get vaccinated, they should have the right to turn in their tickets and get a refund. That's, that sounds kind of uh, drastic to me. Vinny Bonsignor, Vinny, last one with all the young gun quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is going to start. So is Zach Wilson, the two worst teams, the number one and two pick. Uh, how do you see the Trey Lance story, Justin Fields? And there is a pretty good quarterback controversy in Denver in the AFC West, which you cover with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. When to play these young quarterbacks or who you're going to play in Denver? I like these topics. Yeah, I do too, and and you couldn't have more uh, drastically different situations than what Zach Wilson faces in New York uh, and what Trevor Lawrence faces in Jacksonville compared to what Trey Lance might be facing with the 49ers if he wins that job or eventually takes that job on a really good team with a good defense and, and, uh, you know, uh, solid pieces around him. Uh, And the same for Justin Fields. That's a pretty good defense that the Bears have and some support offensively. Those two quarterbacks are in pretty good position to be able to play well and play effectively on a team that's not going to be just saying, we just hope that we can get you through the week each week or the game, you know, because we don't have enough around you. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how it all washes out. Those two players might have better seasons than, than Zach Wilson and Trey, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence simply because they're in better, they're in better situations. And we've seen time and time again, in sports in general, sometimes getting to the right situation makes all the difference in the world as it, you know, uh, when it eventually plays out. So it'll be interesting to track both for all four of those quarterbacks to see who might have been in a better situation and who excelled uh, as a result of that and who might have gotten beat down because of that. We've seen that too, where, you know, a, uh, a young quarterback who just can't, you know, doesn't have enough around them gets beaten to the ground, and, 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 and it never turns out to be good because of that. And, and they get broken early in their career. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes out ahead out of those four quarterbacks. Vinny, thanks for the time from L.A. I'll see you when you get back in Vegas. Really appreciate it. 
All right, JT. Thank you so much. You got it, Vinny Bonsignor. You'll catch him at 4 o'clock today after Q comes up next. And hopefully they have an update on the two injuries at the joint practice there. See what happened with Richie Incognito and Nicholas Morrow. So that's where we're at. Want everybody to remain healthy. The camp has been fantastic for the Raiders, and it sounds like in L.A., they're outperforming the Rams, if that matters. But a lot of big plays, a lot of good plays on defense. They're doing a nice job. Just got to stay healthy and get out of that game clean for the final preseason. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together, all our guests, all of our partners who support Raider Nation Radio and give us a business model that we can go after every day. If you miss any portion of the show, lvsportsnetwork.com. Saturday night, Raiders pre- and post-game show from the M Resort Spawn Casino. Meet us out there. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.